0: And we're off. You had to say it. You can't not say it. We got to get Emily in. We say that. We've said that for like how many months now? Like six months. For sure. Four months. I don't know.
1: Since even before we started.
0: If you don't know Emily Carey, she's a wonderful musician. We have great musicians at Lords. We do. We have a lot of great musicians.
1: She is absolutely phenomenal.
0: Yep, it's the truth.
1: You got a fresh haircut.
0: Thank you. Yeah. For the podcast. Did you do it for the podcast? No, I did not do it for the podcast. It's nice. Uh, you've got your spaghetti shirt on. I do. <laughs> yeah. So I don't. I, don't I was really know so. What to say.
1: I was so eager today for short season, yep. wearing shorts. So I was conflicted, and I decided to just go with the sweatshirt and mm. the shorts. But well, it's my favorite sweatshirt, so I had to wear it. Welcome
0: to sunny Colorado.
1: Eat spaghetti to forgetty You're your regretty. regretty.
0: I love it. Story of my life. That's right. Hey everybody, we are recording this during Holy Week, so I hope your Holy Week is going great. Um, Always a powerful time of year. You know what I always find odd about Holy Week, though, is like it's kind of like you're entering into the cross and Jesus' darkness, and then in Colorado here, it's like, oh wow, the sun's out, and I'm like, I have light in my soul, and maybe there is goodness in life, and maybe there's actually a reason to be happy. That's right. It's kind of funny, and I wish it would happen like on Easter. You know, it's like Easter Sunday hits Sun comes out, that would be better.
1: But. Perfect day. It's all gloomy all week long. Yeah, that would be awesome.
0: That would be awesome.
1: It was kind of a heavy week too. I was watching. Uh, this week was Officer Talley's Yes. funeral mass. Uh, was who was the police officer that died in Boulder in the mass shooting? And right. um, it was it was definitely beautiful, but it was like very heavy. Yeah. It's man, but I think yeah. the the priest that was celebrating that mass or actually the one yesterday at Flatirons. Yeah, so he made it the point of mass, like, right? what a, what a week to have your, just the timing of everything yeah. and to have your funeral mass be, you know, leading up to yeah. Easter. It's powerful.
0: It is powerful. One more thing. I want to do well, two more things. Um, it's so funny being in a new space. Welcome to our new studio. That's right. Um, I like don't know where to put my hands. I'm like I kinda it's kinda funny. It's a weird thing. We
1: did like the the seat shuffle, who goes where, who goes all where? this. We got no art on the wall. No I need to bring over my flowers.
0: We could have you do we could do some like handprints on the wall, yes. like handprints. I'll that'd go over a wall. Or a new space. So feeling that, uh, I wanna give a quick shout out to Alicia in RCIA. Just had a great conversation with her and just watching her faith, just like so strong. And it's just so cool to see. So, so awesome. Shout out to Alicia. I don't know if she listens to the podcast, I have no idea, but hopefully. Hopefully.
1: If not, now we have a reason to tell her to listen.
0: Yeah. So this week, what we want to kind of talk to you guys about is uh we've got people coming into the church here at Lourdes. uh pray for these guys, they're already, by the time this comes out, hopefully Catholics. Yep. Um, But when people become Catholic, it's a hard time starting off as Catholics, like, okay, I went through RCIA, I learned all these things. I had structure and now all of a sudden I like flew the nest and how do I live my life now as a Catholic? Yeah. I got to fly on my own. (laughs) We want to talk a little bit about like what kind of Catholics does the church need, but huge uh, congratulations to everyone who entered the Catholic church this Easter. Uh, We love you. We're excited to, uh, to walk with you.
1: Also you again, classic me, Um, John Zimmer will love me for this one, but uh, what a testament to you. And what you've done at Lourdes, it is pretty remarkable when we stand up here, and you have 30 people at RCIA and, you know, that are not in RCIA, that we have a lot more that attend, but coming into the church in the time of COVID, Mm -hmm. in the time of, I mean, it's hard to find a very positive article in the mainstream media about the Catholic Church. Right. And to see that many people, um, I would love to take credit for it, but I have a feeling it has more to do with you and God, so...
0: One of those is more important than
1: Thank another. you for all that you <laughs> <Yeah>. do.
0: <laughs> no, I, I never know what to say to that. Thank you. I don't know what to say to that, but I'm like, that's right. You know, it's kind of one of those moments you're like, I just, I'm still not, I haven't mastered that art of saying like, thank you. That's very kind. Totally. And you know, not, it's ultimately about God, of course. Yeah, but.
1: no question. Um, no, I think it is an interesting question though. I mean, I, and that was kind of how we got on that topic of when I, was going through RCIA and becoming Catholic, it was always kind of a, I always kind of make a joke of it, but it was truly like my real experience. And I feel like it's more often than not, but one, especially when you're not a cradle Catholic and you're coming into the church and you're wrapping your head around a lot of this, you know, every ounce of the Catholic church you're you're getting used to, right? Even all of a sudden, the mass is one thing, what you're wearing on you know at mass is and the different colors and and all of that you're getting used to confession there's a lot of things you're trying to just like get used to and you have the structure yep. of rcia every single wednesday night get to pick your brain understand something new about the church yep. and then it's all of a sudden you kind of wake up on monday morning after Eastern mass. And you're kind of you're
0: like, like, Oh crap. What did I just do? <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: it's, it's more like, uh, So, so what do I do now? Yeah. Like there's no more Wednesday night. Like there's no more kind of structure. And then more importantly for me, the harder part was like, literally once I was confirmed, it was so interesting because 99% of the things that I look at now and, and put me into a position where I'm going to confession with you yeah. was not an issue in my life. I do like, it was commonplace. Like, you know, you could look at anything in the secular world of pornography, of gossip, of blah, 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 blah. You name it. It's yeah. now a venial mortal sin, any of that kind of stuff. And you're really starting to examine your life in a way. And that's kind of why I think in a previous podcast we talked about where I became obsessed with confession. Right. Cause I, I needed that black and white, in my life yeah. of like trying to just find the safe boundaries, so it was super interesting going through it. Fortunately, I had Steph, kind of, and yeah. you. I was, we were obviously all so close, but uh, it is an interesting time. Yeah, all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, "So I'm Catholic now? What?" Yeah, and-
0: no, it's very much that way. <clears throat> and I do think one of the things I kind of want to talk about today is in today's church. Uh, if you're out there, you've probably seen this, but I think. Um, one of, the, one of the things that uh, is happening is we, it's easier to dwell on the fringes. Right. Um, G.K. Chesterton has a great line. He's so quotable. But he has a line where he says, people think that they are holy if they, if they have one virtue. But he's like, the problem is, is that the virtues are meant to be lived in tension with each other. So if one person really has a, a strong sense of justice and they really are all about fairness and doing what's right and just, that's a really good thing. But the problem is, is that justice is supposed to be lived in relationship to compassion, and it's meant to be lived uh, with courage, and it's supposed to be held in tension with all these things. Yep. And, and one of the things I kind of want to talk about today, if you're a new Catholic out there, uh, which I hope you are, um, or I don't know if I hope that. <laughs> Wherever you're at, I hope you're going closer to God. Yeah. But I think in the church right now, there's this temptation, and we want we want to talk a little bit about Officer Talley. Um, But I think, I think some people like it, there's these two extremes as I see it right now uh, in, in the church. One tension that I think is much bigger than a lot of people is if we went by the numbers, I think the bigger thing is just be compassionate. Totally. And it's kind of like, don't be a jerk Christianity. Yep. You know, and like you were showing me some posts on this. It's like, Hey, you know what? Jesus is compassion and really what Christianity is, is don't be a jerk.
1: Right. It's well, and it's kind of funny too. It's reminding reminded me right now of watching the NCAA tournament and, uh,
0: I was going to use that same. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: I just, I get so confused yeah. sometimes as I'm still wrapping my head around it. Like I grew up and I was like, you know, Oh man, it'd be so good. I was baptized Catholic. Right. That's all I knew. Right. Um, we never went. And I was like, man, it'd be so cool to play football at Notre Dame, super Catholic college. And I can't yeah. wait. Right, it's really yeah. exactly my point. And we we're watching the NCAA tournament, and um, you know, you look at it on <laughs> like all day show with uh, Loyola Marymount or not Loyola, Loyola of Chicago. Okay. And they have Sister, I forget her name. She's like ninety eight, and like a couple it's years ago, be they, Sister
0: like Perpetua. It's oh. what's like a classic name? We had a Sister Prudence. who taught us in the seminar. She was magnificent.
1: <sighs> no, nah, I. I forget her name. When they made the tournament run, she was like their poster, like the guiding him through right. the tournament type thing. And they totally played this card. And I was joking with Steph. I'm like, well, of course I want Loyola to win. Like we got to have a Catholic school representative, like Gonzaga or whatever. And it's always like the classic, like, well, they're not really Catholic. And I'm like, what? Like, How does that even make sense? Like, uh, excuse me? And then as you start to kind of understand it, it ultimately does make sense. But yeah, it is kind of one of those extremes on one side of
0: conformity to the culture. That's right. More
1: of the compassion kind of. Yeah, exactly. Following, falling into a lot of those things and not being true to the church's teaching.
0: Yeah. I mean, and I think this is kind of, everybody sees this. If you're listening to this, you've probably seen this all the time. If you're somebody who listens to this podcast, it's like, we go out in the world and like, you know, you get the James Martins of the world, Father James Martin, who honestly, I really struggle with and who's out there saying, you know, the the Vatican came out and said, we can't really pronounce blessings on same sex unions. And on one level, I'm like, I think this is one tension in the church is you have you guys like father James Martin, who are going to be out there saying that was so heartless. And you're so mean. And like, this is real people. And and there's something true to what he's saying, right? Like these are real people's lives, but it's just like, and I've seen all these posts on the, the CDF, do you know what the CDF is? No. So it's the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. So they're...
1: Oh, I missed that post. I'm sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait, yeah. I'm on a different feed. I don't feed. know. If
0: they, wouldn't it be <laughs> if they had a big Instagram or like a Facebook yeah. thing? And they're like, Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. That's right. Like laying the smack down since 8040. <laughs> you know, they didn't exist in 8040, but whatever. But they came out. There was a, what's called a dubium, which just means a question. And someone asked can, and it's a very official way of asking a question. It's not like someone who calls into our podcast, which that hasn't happened yet. Correct. I get out your cell phone. But someone, someone asks a dubium, a question, and they get a very formal response, if the CDF responds. And the CDF responded with Pope Francis's approval, apparently, uh, saying, the church cannot bless same-sex unions. Can't do it. And so a lot of people out there right now, you know, 5 James Martin and others are just saying you know, this is such a misunderstanding. This is such a step backwards for the church, blah, 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 blah. And you showed me that there is a Instagram post or something just talking about how Jesus is compassionate love. Right. And, but the, the, the problem right on this extreme, and I think we all see it, if you're someone who's trying to follow Jesus, is that uh, loving someone doesn't mean telling them they can do whatever they want. That's right. That it just doesn't mean that. And what you have to do if you're someone who's advocating for these things is you have to deny the teaching of Christ. At the end of the day, that's what you're going to do. You're going to say, yeah, well, Jesus teaches this, but you know what? That was a first century construct. You know, that he lived in, he lived in a patriarchal time and blah, 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 blah. And uh, you have to, at the end of the day, it's hard to be a Christian. And honestly, I, what I oftentimes feel, and we feel this way with a lot of the politicians we've talked about, like, I think there's a lot of Catholics who are sentimental Catholics. It's like, be a grown-up, like, in a certain sense, they don't believe anything the Catholic Church teaches. But they're going to say, oh, I'm a good Catholic. That's right. And I think a lot of it is about sentimentality. Like, well, you know, my mom prayed her rosary and a lot of feelings around the Catholic Church. Yeah, I think they're homophobic and transphobic and, you know, anti-feminine and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, at a certain point, I'm like, look, we can have an honest discussion about this, but could you just be a grown-up and say... If I don't believe anything the Catholic Church teaches, I probably shouldn't call myself a Catholic.
1: Right. But insert Joe Biden. Uh so no, I mean I think
0: Excuse you. <laughs> <laughs> what was that?
1: Nothing. Uh no, it's kind of it's right now I'm listening to it. I've been talking to you about it, but uh irreversible damage.
0: Yeah, I still need to read that one. Man, I it.
1: it is so fascinating. And I just finished sh- my shout out, uh, Nona, my mother in law. We call her yeah, Nona. I didn't mean call her Nona. Suzanne yes. uh, Giltner in the house. She had me read uh, The Collapse of Parenting, obviously, with little Gianna on the way, right. Dr. Leonard Sachs. And, and having read or listened to both those books back to back, it's so fascinating how much people will take the aspect of, like, well, she's you know, the, the woman at the well. And like, look how Jesus uh, teaches for teach or uh, treated the Pharisees and, and that you can take that on the surface level and be like, it's just all love and this and that. But I think you've explained that so well of, we do love those people. And of course we have to love anyone that has a mental illness of transgender or, you know, uh, forgive me for my lack of probably proper terminology in that weird Rubik's cube, um, and and even when they did you see a Rubik's cube? Yeah, the Sorry, whole. I, keep I never know what. But if, anytime I have someone ask me like, "What's your pronouns?" I'm like, "What? I don't. I don't know, man." You're like, what's your pronoun? Yeah, it's was like, "Excuse me, <laughs> is, <laughs> is that Latin?" I don't know how to do this. Uh, but and even hearing Dr. Sachs just talk about like in the collapse of parenting of how you know his whole thing was more about social media and what that's doing, but parents now are. Coddling so much, just from trying to come from a place of you know loving and compassion, right. and not actually creating that atmosphere in the household of no, I am the parent, and you're. G- we have to establish these boundaries. I love you beyond belief, but you're not going to just do what you want to do all the time. Then yeah. um, it was kind of interesting. I was listening to something on the radio after they were talking about the gun violence and the shooting, and they were saying that the University of Arizona um, one of the radio hosts went to go listen to their freshman orientation for their daughter. And they were saying at the university of Arizona, they were warning parents that they're not allowed to take classes or tests for their kids. And there what they said, which was wow. true is we've now gotten to a point where like, they're not saying that. Cause it's like a hypothetical. It's never going to happen. It mm-hmm. is currently happening. And you're showing up to take you know, what are your kids going to actually grow up now? Right, and it's like this balance of compassion. Yes, Jesus did love everyone, but he was also very firm. Of like, I love you. I'm here with you. I'm sitting with you. You need to stop sleeping with twelve men. Like, right? There is that. There is that firmness to it of trying to to balance that.
0: Yeah. No, and it's, in John four, it's, it's been five husbands. There's a, there's a really cool thing that's happening there. Uh, where the do you know that do you know Baal? I never know if it's Baal or Baal or how you pronounce that in the New Testament and Old Testament.
1: Well, it's so in the Old Testament, it's Baal, and it's actually from the Latin root. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's <laughs> no, I have Latin. no idea, <laughs>
0: but it's it's a there's a there's a play there which we don't want to go too deep into this, but the um, Baal is a fertility god of the Canaanites, and what? yeah, and but it what it means. The word literally means husband. And what happens is in John 4, the woman's a real woman, but she's also can be symbolic of Israel. Uh, and what happens is she's had five husbands. And in Israel, there were five shrines to Baal, to the false god. And that word means husband.
1: And oh, crazy.
0: But in, in Old Testament theology, for instance, most prominently in the book of Hosea, but all over the place, Um, God is Israel's husband and he's the true husband of Israel, but she, but Israel has been with these five false husbands and they betrayed the covenant that way. Um, but anyway, that's not our topic. Didn't mean to go off on that, but, but yeah, I think, I think what's happening with this compassion stuff, right? Like, and like our university of Arizona, I love that. Like we just go to extremes. And this is one of the things I want to say to our new Catholics, right? So I think one extreme is, Hey, I love you. So therefore I'm never going to tell you, I'm never going to go against you. Right. And like, for a lot of us, you know, if you think of a parent who tells their kid, Hey, because I love you, I'm going to let you do whatever you want to do. That's what we call a bad parent. Right. right. Like the, the mom who wants to be friends with her kids instead of wanting to be a mom, you know, and you can be both, but if you choose friendship over being a mother, like that's a bad decision. Yep. You've got to be the mom like for the good of your children. You have to do that. Um, and, and, but we've embraced this idea in our culture that we can just make it ever, make up whatever we want. And as long as it's not explicitly doing physical damage to someone, you just have to love them and accept whatever they want to do. Just really, really unintelligent. But then the thing I want to get to and for our new Catholics and as they enter the church, I feel like a lot of new Catholics are naive to these dynamics. Yep. so it happens then is that people in a lot of our circles, you know here at Lord's and Denver, and a lot of, but a lot of places in the church, and good people, people who love God, what they do is they flip to the opposite extreme, and so they are law people, you know, and this is again, take this at grain of salt, this is an oversimplification, but they're reacting against this kind of lazy fair societal anything goes kind of mentality. But then what they're doing is they're, the pendulum swings and you go to the other side and they are gonna, they're going to encounter the law. They're going to give you the law of God. And the law of God is good, but, but there's kind of this art that they miss where they just flip to the opposite extreme. Uh, and I think that's a temptation for new Catholics.
1: Without a doubt. I, again, I think it's kind of the both are the safe plays. Yeah. Like there's, You're not in that weird... If you're in the weird tension of the gray area yeah. and, and finding the balance of it all, yeah. as a newbie or as a rookie, it's very hard to walk that line. Yep. It's easier to just be told exactly what to do, you know, either from the extreme and or the compassion side, and yeah. just rest in both those because at least you it's well defined. It's very totally. easy. You're yeah. you're not in conflict.
0: You know that's ex- I think that's exactly what it is. And one of the ways we saw this, and we, I don't want to be overly critical, but uh, but we we saw um, at Flatirons that service for for Officer Talley, and it just seemed, and and I know the priest who kind of gave that opening prayer, yeah, and and a lot of what he said was really true, you totally. know, uh, Father Nolan, and he was he was talking about some really true things. I I, I felt like it just came off a little harsh, oh. <laughs> right? He started with. He starts his prayer and, you know, just said, Father, these are not the prayers that you gave us. This is not the prayer of your church. This is the prayer of the secular world. And it just, it's true. Right. And I think he was trying to emphasize this isn't the mass, which he's right. Like, this is not the divinely instituted sacrifice of Christ. But I just, you know, I just kind of, it's like when you walk up to someone and you're kind of like, let's just get things straight. I'm, I'm one of God's children and you're not. Correct. And I'll, I'll talk to you. I'm because I'm compassionate. You know, they just, yeah. and again, I don't want to do it too strong, especially since, you know, he's a priest in our community here in Denver, but I was just like, we got to do better than that. Yeah. We got to be able to talk to people and say, you know what? We're going to build a bridge. We're not going to compromise. And that's, I was talking to Alicia a little bit about this today about how do you, and she's coming from a non-Catholic, but a Christian community yep. where people can feel judged by her because she's entering the Catholic church. And what does that mean for them? Does that mean they're somehow less? And we talked a little bit about like, how do you let people know, like I'm convicted by this. This is true. I'm like, Father Nolan, I am convicted of the Catholic mass yep. and I'm convicted of the Church's teaching. Praise God. But how do you do that in such a way that's inviting people to say, this is beautiful, not compromise on your faith, um, but also not just kind of come across as like, Hey, everyone else, you're terrible.
1: So, I think you have to tread more lightly here than I do, and you opened this bag of worms. I was not ready to go here. <laughs> we'll
0: see if we actually publish this one. Well. <laughs> but but
1: <laughs> yeah, this was this this was a discussion last night in the house with Steph because Steph is very much uh, anyone that knows my wife. She is like she could take over the world if she wanted to. She will totally someday do that, um, and she. She was coming from a place after watching it. I think she was really worried last week because the only thing that was really publicized about Officer Tally was that he was going to have this memorial service at a Protestant church located somewhat near Boulder, Boulder, Colorado. Yeah,
0: And this is, for those of you out there, this is, I think it's the largest church in Colorado.
1: Yeah. I think, I, I'm pretty sure it is.
0: Flatirons. Uh, yeah. And, so. and, and again, like to our, to a point we make oftentimes in this podcast I think a place that does a lot of things really, really well. hundred percent. We wouldn't agree on everything, but I think obviously they're reaching people. They're bringing the the love and the the mercy of God to a lot of people. So. It,
1: it, to that point, like I think they do a tremendous job. And I remember as we were sitting there and just watching when they're kind of opening and their head pastor did like the first opening remarks and then introduced Father Nolan. And I remember sitting there thinking to myself like, man, I wonder what their conversation was like as they were waiting like behind stage, you know, like like right. the two, the priests and the like, yeah. the head of flat irons and were like, man, we fundamentally like truly disagree so much. Like, were they like, so what'd you get for breakfast? Like, what do you like, what, what did they talk about? But Steph, so she was so worried about, you know, is officer Talley, we know he's a devout Catholic and, and so on, but, but no one really knew They were very private as a family leading into that. So all of a sudden it was very publicized that he was going to have this service on Tuesday. And sure enough, he ends up having his mass at the Basilica on Monday. And so Steph was relieved, but she kind of went through a few days of like, Oh my gosh, she's not going to have a Catholic mass. Like what? So then for her and what I was trying to say was like, she loved the opening prayers and the remarks about how bold father Nolan was in his opening prayer and making it very, very clear throughout the entire service. Like right. Officer Tyler is a devout Catholic. This is kind of, you know, this is great and all, but, you know, we're kind of doing this more for you guys than it is him. Yeah. And, and totally, there's a, there is a level of like, you have to respect his wish. At, like all that, all that is fantastic. Right. But I, there was a, the hard part for me where I was trying to come from in that place and what you were kind of touching on. Is when you open your prayer with like exactly what you said, you know, Lord, we're here. This is not the prayers of the church that you built, but instead the prayers of the secular world, right? Pretty close to what he said, if you go back and watch it. And, you know, in my mind, I'm like, dude, we have, you go to Fox news and this is live streamed right now, foxnews.com. Like you can easily click the memorial service. Like mm-hmm. you have an audience that the Catholic Church does not commonly have, and now you 'll see it as i 've watched the follow up reports of everything that was going on from yesterday. Right. they show the thousand police cars, and they show never once do they show the priest yeah and and none of the follow up so you have an audience and an opportunity there to really kind of explain and show the beauty and all that stuff, yeah, and in my personal opinion, it was very, very strong um and and I was looking at it I was like we have nine other victims. You have thousands of cops and police and family and everyone in a, in the audience. And out the gates, you're kind of like that. You're like, okay, you just validated all of my initial thoughts of the Catholic Church or the teachings or any of that kind of stuff. That is yeah. so. It was very intense, and there was just a part of me that I was like, man, it. Again, it's it is true. It's the truth. I get it. You have to be firm in that, but yeah at least shake my hand before you slap me with it. Like it, it was just kind of, it was hard to swallow yeah. in a sense. And, and that's where I kind of think, you know, if you're saying it's so important for, to have a Catholic funeral, right. At a mass and, and doing it that way. And we have nine other victims that I don't know. I, I don't know if they were Catholic or not, right. but you know, on one side, you're kind of like, well, what happens to their soul if they're not, catholic and they're not gonna have that funeral just like Mm -hmm. my mom when she died we didn't do a catholic funeral i spread her ashes i didn't know any better but at the same time we're looking at the church to evangelize and make people catholic so now you just turned away at all like it's a circular kind of argument of like who's at fault of someone not having a catholic funeral
0: yeah and
1: And it's not it's not at fault but it it was just a very interesting dynamic to watch yesterday of like trying to remember somebody yet let everyone know. I mean, he was very, very devout.
0: This is one of the hardest things I think in the Christian life to do well. Totally. And very honestly, I think I've screwed it up <clears throat> so many times and I'm sure I will many more. And and I do, I, I think we've already said this, but I think it's just, we're saying that our, our prayers and our hearts go out to the Tally family and to all the victims and such as a horrendous thing. And hopefully this podcast today isn't, we don't mean for it to be, <laughs> critical of this and that specific sense. It's just, a, I think all, it's a right. model for us though. It's, it's a moment of like, how do we answer the question of like, how do we engage the world as Christians? Mm-hmm. Because I think like what father Nolan was doing, there's, there's a real truth to what he's doing. Right. And Jesus, right. Jesus doesn't just let people do whatever they want. You know, like when, when he can confront sinners, he'll have mercy on them. And then he says, don't go sin anymore. Right stop sinning, like, you know, and there's Jesus is willing to give his life and he's willing to stand up for things that matter. And I think a lot of Catholics in the world, a lot of Christians we're tired of Christians who compromise. Totally. And, and I sympathize with that. There's a lot of, of Catholics and Christians in the world who it's like, do you have any loyalty to Christ? Does this anything go? Is everything changeable? Um, but it, again, I think, in a lot of the the kind of world that I live in, the opposite danger is kind of a little bit stronger danger, mm-hmm. where they're not compromising. In fact, they're going so far as to like build kind of the walls higher. That's right. And and I think Jesus has some great lessons for us on this. Like, excuse me for the, in Jesus's day, the great enemy are the Romans. And Jesus redefines who the enemy is. He he has a lot of a lot of things in the new Testament really saying, no, that the enemy is not the Romans, the enemy is Satan. And, and we need to reach out and do the Romans have practices that Jesus is going to condemn. Absolutely. The, the kind of godless world of the ancient pagan society where, uh, there's no sexual morality, where, uh, there's this greed and power plays and these kinds of things. Jesus is going to condemn that a lot. Uh, And so it's this weird dynamic of we have got to be willing to condemn these practices and be clear and stand up for them. We've got to do a job of saying the mercy of God is real. Totally. And there's, you know, it's interesting. I've been reading first Corinthians and I've been studying. I think I've mentioned that before in the podcast. I'm going slow because I'm a pastor and we have a a lot going on at Lords. And I'm like, dear Lord, like um, I don't have enough time. There aren't enough hours in the day. But in 1 Corinthians 6, there's a really interesting thing um, that's happening. Uh, And what's what's going on is that Paul, Paul's going to talk about a distinction between those outside the church and those inside the church. And one of the things he says, let me find this verse really quick. Um, He talks about how, oh, it's in chapter five, actually. So he says, uh, chapter 5, First Corinthians, verse 9, he says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with immoral men. Now, I don't have my Greek in front of me, but generally that in the New Testament, that means uh, sexually immoral. And actually there is a footnote there that says literally fornicators. Uh, so Paul says, don't associate with immoral men. And he says, not at all, meaning the immoral of this world or the greedy, or the robbers, or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. And I'll explain this in a second. But rather I wrote to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of immorality. And this is fascinating, studying this with Richard Hayes, who's a phenomenal scripture scholar, not a Catholic, but he's amazing. But what Paul is saying here in 1 Corinthians 5, and it works its way into chapter 6, is that Paul is saying the church actually it's, you're actually fine to associate with people outside the church who are engaged in immoral practices. You don't engage in the immoral, immoral practice itself. What Paul does in 1 Corinthians 5, and he's going to hearken back to all these teachings in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, is that in the church we have a higher standard. Mm-hmm. And he is really strong here in First Corinthians. And what he's going to say is he's going to say, "Look, if someone outside the church is engaged in stuff that we don't believe in, We are going to bring the gospel to them. We're going to try to evangelize them. But I I thought this was super powerful. But he says, inside the church, if someone's engaged in this, they don't even have a meal with them. He says. He's like, if someone, if you have a brother in the church who's going to to prostitutes, cast that person out of the church. And it reminds me, I think this is a really interesting distinction. As Paul is talking about, he's saying, uh, it's kind of like when you, when you guys have Gianna, you're going to have much stricter rules for her than you are for other people's kids. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's not because you don't love her, it's because you do. And I think there's something similar what Paul's getting at here, is he's like, look, the church is for the world. And we, like out in the world, there's going to be all kinds of immoral things, but in the the church, the house of God, the temple of God, we hold ourselves because we love each other. We hold each other to a higher standard. And it's like first Corinthians five and six is really strong on this stuff. And it made me actually think it was a challenge to me of like, how do we in the church, how do we like really live this?
1: When you use that analogy with Gianna, it that's kind of what I felt and what I feel when I, when I see a lot of like, this is our church, and here's how we lit. Like, and it's very aggressive in that sense. Yeah, it's like I aspire to be someone that because I have such a loving relationship with my family. And you look at my family, and it's like, dude, what is their secret sauce? Yeah. What are they doing? What like they're so close, they're so tight knit as a family. They're blah 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 blah. Everything you want to be, and then when you you open that door and you come in, and you realize, like, yeah, we have rules, Johnna. Can't have the cell phone for more than not until she's eighteen, and only for twenty minutes a day. Whatever, whatever you, whatever it is. Right. Kind of referencing a Dr. Leonard Sachs there, but
0: ooh DLS. What Dr. Leonard Sachs. Oh man, DLS. I love,
1: I love that guy. Um, but instead, if I, if I go out there and I'm like, my family's so great because this is how strict we are, and like all this kind of stuff. It's it it automatically kind of turns you off. You're like, dude, that's intense. I don't want any ounce of that. And you're not going to give like justice to the actual structure of the family right. and the structure of the church and, and Corinthians there of like, within the church, you know better, but you have to get through that door yep. to see that. So if you kind of put the cart before the horse and you're like, boom, here it is, That wall, just like you said earlier, got so much higher for the barrier to entry into the church versus and everyone is right. Like Jesus was love, was compassion. And that's what makes me so mad sometimes when I read these things of like, how can, you know, how can conservatives or Catholics not be okay with trans or homosexual behaviors or any of that kind of stuff? And it's and not love people. Jesus was love. And it's like, no, no, no. He did love people, but he does not condone that. Right. Yeah. Like,
0: and love has just become this like
1: blanket statement, blanket statement of, of yeah.
0: like to love someone means, Hey, whatever.
1: That's right. I don't want to engage in discussion. I don't want to engage you know, I don't want any sort of confrontation. So you do you and yeah. fine. But I, I do like reading that was the tension I had watching and kind of just experiencing, especially in my own journey into the church of like, you want to go, straight to the deep end and, and feel safe within those rules because life is challenging. You're going to yeah. have those temptations and all that kind of stuff. But if it becomes too aggressive, um, I think it just, you're putting, you're, it's, it's coming too quick. If that makes sense. Like you're, you're putting the rules out there instead of explaining yeah. the love behind it. When I think
0: I that's think an interesting point because like in, <clears throat> in first Corinthians, I was thinking about this, like in a Catholic church today, we live in a different world. There's similarities to Paul's world, but in the first century, these people who are entering the Catholic faith, they, they have encountered Jesus and they've encountered a message of the redemption of the world. And they had to make a radical choice to enter something that was brand new. Mm -hmm. And I think in our our churches today, you have a lot of people who are raised Catholic and who maybe who've never really fully drank deeply of like, wow, like the, the God who created the world took my suffering on himself and, and truly gave his life for me. And they need to hear that message even in the church, I think, a lot of times before then we can challenge them and say, and, because, and that's what Paul does in 1 Corinthians. When he goes through this in chapters 5 and 6, he, what he's doing, and it's so powerful, I love this, he says, look, the reason that your body should be kept holy is because you were given the Holy Spirit. It's not, hey, keep your body holy and then maybe God, maybe you can go to heaven. It's God died for you. He poured out his spirit into your into your soul. And so because you are a temple, now this is absolutely off the table. But it makes me wonder, I'm like, you know, in, in a lot of churches, and I think back to kind of this tendency to, to have these hard lines, a lot of the churches that are growing in the Catholic faith, right now, you look at parishes. The ones that are growing are not the ones that are like, "Hey, do what you want." Right, right. Why? Why would I go to church? It's like, we used to joke about, um, like, religious sisters who um, stopped kind of like wearing the religious habit, the nun outfit, the nun suit. Yeah, that could be a good band. That could be a good the podcast. nun suits the nun suits. Um, but the ones who stopped wearing their habits and he stopped praying the liturgy of the hours, and they there would go out and do things for people, those, those orders are dying. Right. Because you can, the question is, why would I go be celibate to do something that I could just do as a normal person in the world?
1: Start a nonprofit.
0: Right? Yeah. And so I think these churches that say, hey, God loves you, do whatever you want. Well, Why would I go to church? If God If God loves me and doesn't care what I do, Those churches aren't growing,
1: but on the so now I (laughs) now I have to ask. So I mean, I think it's always the salt of the wound is always, uh, in my opinion, when you look at these churches growing and and the compassion side. Yeah, I think the one thing that as we're kind of getting back to the top, like when we're looking at you know people entering the church and how do you kind of thrive in your newfound faith is unfortunately. It's about the teachings and not the teacher and the Catholic faith. Mm, there's been, no denying this. There's no denying it though. Like the teachers over the last 50, 60, yeah. 200, 2000 years have been very, in some cases have been horrific and have done horrific things. Right. So therefore, if you're kind of lukewarm in some of the actual teachings, it all of a sudden becomes like, look, if, if the priest is doing this and blah, blah, whatever the scandal, any of that kind of stuff, I'm out. Right. But at some point it's, again, it's not about that person. It's not about the teaching or it's not about the teacher that's going to come and go. And it's flawed. And we are all humans and that entered the priesthood or whatever, but it is the underlying teachings of Jesus. Yeah. So it becomes this like, okay, I'm out. I'm going to go. I'd rather just be nice to people and, and love everybody yeah, because it's not working And I do you think
0: there. that, that distinction, and that's where it's so cool with Jesus is that Jesus teaching is his person. Right. More than anything, he says who he is, is his central teaching and that he's the one who does it perfectly. That's but you're right. right. Like you, we, we have to be attached to Christ. And for those of you who have entered the church this Easter, why are you, why did you become Catholic? Mm-hmm. Like certainly people help us along the way. I hope you're the Lord's. I hope that I was able to help. I hope Steph was a help to people. But you shouldn't be Catholic because of Stephanie DeVinny or Father Brian Larkin. Right. Or as some call me FBL. Yeah. But, but you should be Catholic because of Jesus Christ. And he's the one who can hold these things always perfectly together. Um, that's, that is so important. No question. But I think, I think when people are entering the church now, I think what we need, I maybe mean, we talk about this a little bit, we just need Catholics who can hold those things together who can say, hey, God is love. And that's the first message of Christianity is the, the loving death and resurrection of his son in your you know, moment of darkness, the worst moment of your life. God God loved you in that moment. And the worst things you've ever done, he loved you there. Um, and now like like Paul says this, this is like so good. He says, um, so at the end of chapter six in first Corinthians, Paul says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God? He says, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. And that price is the blood of Jesus. Right. And so like Paul's like, he he can do this, right? I don't know why it's so hard. Our modern church and our modern culture just can't do this. They seem totally incapable of being like able to say, hey, you're loved. And because you are loved, you can't do whatever you want to do.
1: That's right yeah
0: and I don't know why that's that doesn't seem that hard to me does that seem that hard to you
1: it de- I think that's what's truly fascinating about this audiobook right now um uh, by abigail irreversible damage it is that whole sentiment though of like hey
0: abigail does she have a last name
1: schreier uh abigail schreier um uh, she she really breaks this down though I think she made an interesting point that was like you know so many of our the field of psychology and professors and any of that kind of stuff, it it is progressed to a sense of most people that are in that field now got in that field because they were an advocate of something else, right? They were an oh, advocate of trans. Therefore now they went to become a therapist.
0: So they entered not because of just, just genuine, the truth. They yeah. didn't enter the they truth. Entered they entered trying ad- to find advocacy. something.
1: That's right. Yeah. Of their advocacy. And, um, <laughs> And that oh, the whole thing is breaking down of like, how much, how little society wants to engage in those topics of, you know, I felt it coming through in the church of like, when I propose a step and everyone's like, dude, you guys aren't even, you're not even living together. Yeah. And all of a sudden I have to like, try to like explain the church's teaching and why, but it's so counterintuitive. And most of the time it's just like, all right, well, go do what you're going to do. Like, yeah, you know, Hey. Here's some flowers while well, you go do it. Like, and I always, it always makes me think of like, when you use that analogy, use it before, but like, if you know, someone is like, I'm a drug addict, I want to be a drug addict. You know, like, you're not just going to be like, Oh yeah, man, that sounds like a great idea. Yeah. I wish you nothing but the best like yeah. that. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Any argument that's commonly used is well, I'm not hurting anybody. Right. Right. So like, so why does it matter? And, and the the real truth the real issue behind that and behind what, what to us seem like private sins is that there's no such thing as a private sin. Right. Is that all of us in the body of Christ that on a spiritual level, we're we're connected at through the, our baptism and through the Eucharist. But even, even in the world out there, I always think like, even if you're not a Christian, like no man is an Island. And if you are less than what you should be, you're doing damage to all of us because we actually need each other. We need people in the world who are full human beings, who are just and courageous and compassionate,
1: right? And I feel like that's that's the disconnect though. Like the acceptance should come from the standpoint of like, here, I am sitting with this. And I could go to you and I could say, FB, I am struggling with this and you're gonna guide me through love to the truth and knowing that ultimately that's my freedom. Of okay, stay away from this sin because of whatever. And you have that route. On the yeah. flip side of this general no. <laughs> on the flip side of this general acceptance of like, yeah, go do whatever. I think the proof that's there is suicide, depression, anxiety, everything is skyrocketed since that general philosophy of acceptance. It has yeah. solved anything. It's made things worse. Like in the trans community or in yeah. whatever it is where it's like, oh, we just need to be loving and accept them more. The more we've done that, the higher the numbers have got. There's no denying that fact. So it's, it's, yeah, it's more it's kind of like- a trump
0: card they use in, in, the, in the trans debate is they say, if you don't accept person, someone like this, they're going to commit suicide. And the problem is is that all the data shows that if you do embrace them, it's at least going to stay the same number basically or maybe go higher. Right. And, and plus it's just a cop out. It's like, it, it's a way of just threatening people and taking authentic dialogue off the table, off the
1: table. Yeah. And that's the hard part. And that's the balance of the church with, again, <laughs> circling back, but just kind of seeing though there's, so there's that side of like, you need to maintain the truth and what the church teaches, but also you have to get somebody ready to receive that honesty.
0: Yeah, and I and I do think just some some key principles around this, right? It's like, and I think it just shows shows us this is that we have to have, be prudent about like this compassion and justice, holding those things in tension. But I do think compassion comes first. Hmm. If you, there is a place to die on a hill. There absolutely is, and we and we need to pray for the courage to do that. It's hard, you know. Being a priest, we priests joke about like you know, you, you have to have courage even to move a statue. Yep. You move a statue, like a foot, people will lose their minds, right? <laughs> not to pick on you out there, but yeah. So people will do that. And like people will accuse you of like all kinds of things. Um, but uh, there are places where we have to have courage. There is a line in the sand. There is a place you just can't go. And sometimes it takes some wisdom to really know, are we at that place? Are we not? But I think there's no order. And the, the, the thing is, is that, if we don't have compassion for people and first go out and say, Hey, you know, we do love you. We don't see everything the same way, but there is a God and more importantly than us loving you, there's a God who loves you. And, uh, if, if they can't receive that message first, and I think that's what, and Paul is so interesting on these topics where Paul's kind of like, he sees that and he, in his letters, he almost always he'll do, he'll start with like when he gets some moral sections, the moral codes, He'll, he'll really first do the like, we should be hit his way because God first loved us. Right. Because this first happened. But Paul also, it's, it's challenging me right now of like, Paul has a place where he's like, look, people are going to reject Jesus. And if they do that, that is to their own condemnation. And there is a line in the sand and we live our lives in the church right. and we live it in holiness and righteousness. And we do not compromise on certain issues.
1: totally With that. I, I, I have no idea who said this, but it was common in like football, but
0: it's probably Gandhi,
1: <laughs> it's probably Madonna. Uh, was nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care?
0: Yeah, that's a good line,
1: right? So it's Proverbs 14 36. Is it really? No, oh gosh, <laughs> I was like, what? I'm just kidding, everything leads back to the Bible. <laughs> uh, no, I. But it is, it's one of those things that like, think about how many times you sit down with somebody if they're just a total jerk, yeah. but they're telling you like, don't touch the stove. It's burning hot. You're like, you may, you may be right, but now I'm going to touch the stove just because you're the yeah. worst, you know? Mm. Uh, so I think there is that balance. But I guess that's the, what would be the advice you have for, or even, you know, even if you're, you are Catholic, but you've gone through this, Easter season and and there's still more after Easter, but as you've kind of like gone through Holy week, what are kind of like your advice for that next step of trying yeah. to live the Christian Catholic life?
0: Yeah, this is a great question. And I think the number one thing I want to say to people, I don't know if it was you who brought this up recently. Somebody was talking to me recently about Rick Warren and maybe it was Curtis Martin actually, but anyway, Rick Warren is a very Well, if it's famous. me
1: or Curtis Martin, <laughs> it's probably me. <laughs>
0: It's probably, it's probably, but uh, if you don't know who Rick Warren is, he's a famous Protestant pastor in California. Saddleback Church is his church that he started, and he's actually spoken in some focus conferences. Um, but anyway, Rick Warren has a great line where he says, You can worship, and he's a Protestant, and so for worship for him means something slightly different than it does for us, but regardless, he says, You can worship with a thousand people, but you can only have fellowship or discipleship with like eight. Interesting. And I love that. Cause like one of the things you have to have as a Catholic, if you if you're coming in the church or if you've been a Catholic your whole life, Sunday mass is the cornerstone of our life, but you need fellowship. And I think this is the the, the, the totally. number one recommendation I have for people out there is Paul uses this term all over the place. In fact, in the beginning of first Corinthians, cause I'm on this first Corinthians kick. Um, uh, so in first Corinthians one, nine, it says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son. So fellowship, do you know what that word is in Greek? <laughs>
1: no.
0: So the word fellowship is koinonia. Oh, Yeah. And yeah, and so I, I preach about, I'm sorry, I don't mean to.
1: No, I that. should have known that.
0: But koinonia can be translated as fellowship or communion. And so the, the Sunday Eucharist, you're called to communion. But what that communion is supposed to do is not just stop there. Communion means relationship. And so the communion we have with Christ creates our quinonia, our communion or our fellowship with others. And so my biggest piece of recommend of of advice to new Catholics is: you can I love what Rick Warren says. You can worship with a church full of people. You can't have relationships with a thousand people. You need deep deep friendships. And I would really encourage you, you need to be a part of a small group, real Christian friendships where you have somewhere between, you know, four and 10 people and you get together regularly. And maybe you talk about the Bible. Maybe you talk about a book you're reading or a saint or prayer, or maybe you just have dinner, Yeah, but you need to be a part of a small group where you're vulnerable with each other. Exactly. And you can have the conversations you and I have with the reason we started this podcast Yeah, where people can say, Hey, gosh, you know, this week, my, uh, you know, a friend of mine, I uh, found out has a drug problem. Yep. And you just need, the, the church is communion. You need people in your life. So that, that's a huge thing. Um, the other pieces are also important, but I don't want to spend that much time on them. But I always tell people you need three things. You need real Christian friendships, which is that first piece. <clears throat> you need some kind of way you're growing intellectually in your faith, which, you know, a huge recommendation I have is this thing called Gregorian rant, um, <laughs> where hopefully you're learning about your faith, no, but you can watch form.org. Our friend, Chris Stefanik, uh, yeah. real life Catholic. He's a phenomenal resource. Um,
1: Shout out, Chris.
0: Yeah, he's, he's amazing. Uh, and so many, so many great things out there. Dr. Ted Tree is great. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of things out there, but somewhere you got to learn about Christ. You need to learn about him more deeply. Um, and then the third thing is you got to learn how to pray. That's the hardest of the three actually is learning how to be silent and meditate and pray with God. And that, that can take the longest, but if you have a small group, they're going to help with the other two.
1: Totally. You
0: have real Christian friends. You're like, man, I don't know how to pray. I just don't, I know how to say the, our father, but how do I like pray to God? I don't know how to do that. You have a small group. I guarantee you someone is in there. will be like, well, I don't know either. And, but maybe there's someone who will be like, "I, I have some idea. Yeah. Or I heard about this book. There's there's ways to do it. So I think if you're a new convert, if you or if you're someone who's been in the church, those are my big three. You gotta have real Christian friendships. You have to have some way you're growing intellectually in your knowledge of the faith. And you have to have a real prayer life.
1: Totally. I also I think I just have to say this because it was kind of my experience too, but find especially when it came to small groups, was finding the one that that fed me. And, and not, it's very easy to get overwhelmed and you have to learn how to say no. Yeah. Because otherwise, especially working in the church, like you could be at a Bible study every single night. Yeah. Like exactly. with a different group.
0: And I kind of want to lead one every night. And then they, well,
1: a, like yeah. the leading, that would be awesome. i like, but I think all of a sudden it goes back to that bigger point of like, now all of a sudden you're at a thousand people and it's very draining yep. and hard to maintain intimate relationships like that. At least for myself who's somewhat of an introverted extrovert that like to you have to protect your boundaries in that sense that's mm-hmm. right deal
0: mm-hmm. with
1: that
0: okay sorry it's a- <laughs> <laughs> an introverted no, extrovert
1: i say like oh, i i'm i love okay. to be extroverted but i need my alone time yeah. to recharge like yeah. i do not fuel i get so drained so quick yeah um so i'm really just kind of an introvert but it is uh i just want to in case somebody is listening that could be struggling with that. Cause that was totally me, especially when I got started, I was like, man, I want to go to their house and they offered me to come over and I, you want to say yeah. yes to them all. And it's okay to say no. And, yeah. and, and allow yourself your own prayer time or whatever it may be to focus on the other two.
0: Yeah. And, and I, and I wouldn't, I think there's a huge point. We could do a whole podcast on this, but I think a massive point is if you have a choice between knowing a lot of people kind of well, or a few people really well, right. You should go with the latter every time.
1: Shout out my best friend Nick Woolry. We'll uh, it's better to have four quarters and a hundred pennies.
0: Yeah, that's right. You use, that's a great phrase. I love that. Yeah, no, you need every one of us needs this. You need friendships that aren't just like, hey, we have dinner with them every once in a while. Like, you need people who are who love Jesus and who are like, you know, if if you're if Gianna grows up, well, let's just say it's somebody else's kid because I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> somebody else's kid grows up and they get in a car wreck. Oof. at 17 and it's a bad car wreck. Yep. Who's going to, who's going to be there? Correct. And who's going to be the ones that, you know, like, like when something bad happens and there's a thousand people who wish you well, but you don't want to talk to them at all. Right. Who are the ones you do want to talk to? That's right. Who are the ones who are like, I'm coming to your house and I'm just going to like, I'm just going to cry. Yep. Cause my, my son or my daughter was in a, in a terrible car wreck and I need you, I need to lean on you right now. Like that's, if you have that, you are going to have a much more fruitful Christian life. And so- no
1: question. I think I felt that uh, after my mom passed, and I always kind of say that, I think we've talked about it before, but out the gates and and try, you quickly start to realize like who is that four quarters? Yeah. Out the gates when there's something traumatic that happens, it's very common, you get overwhelmed. Like I remember I checked my phone. I was like, there's no way to call back everybody. It was a great feeling, but you're just like, You know, everyone knows like in that moment, okay, let's love on them. But who's there four months later when it's dead silent, everyone kind of has either forgot about it or not. And you really kind of start to understand and or you really start to kind of reflect on the fact like, man, maybe I, I am spread so thin. I don't have those relationships that people know when something's going on.
0: Yeah. All right, folks. Uh, Rant at lordsdenver.org. And just, yeah, again, that encouragement, avoid extremes, hold the virtues together, be compassionate, but stand up for what matters and make sure that you have those real Christian relationships. That's going to bless you more than I could ever tell you. Sorry.
1: That's right. We'll see you next time. Talk to you next time.
0: Talk to you next Let's time. Hear us we will next not, time. We will, not, <laughs> you will hear us next time. Email us your questions. Okay, peace.